Why don't we pray together? God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather and to be in fellowship, to be united as one body, united through the spirit that you have given that dwells inside of us. And I pray this morning that as we talk about what it means to belong to the body of Christ and to serve one another, um, that you would stir in our hearts to convict us and change us and grow us, that we would be the kind of people who are eager to lay down our lives in loving service to one another. And so, Lord, I just ask that, that you would do that work, that you would take what I've prepared and that you would settle it deep in people's hearts, um, that they would long to be more like Jesus in this way, eager to take up the, the position of a servant out of love for others. And so, Father, we ask that you would simply bless this time in Christ's name for his sake. Amen. I want you to open your Bible with me first to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you don't have a Bible, we have some on our little welcome table back here. We would love for you to take one of those and keep it. Of course, you can always pull it up on your phone as well. But we're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and then in a little bit we'll flip to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But this is our second week in a short series that we're calling Heartbeats. And the premise behind the series is that we're discussing the things that are really essential and vital to the life of the church. Things that, like the heartbeat in the human body, are absolutely necessary. And if we as a church were to stop doing them, just like a body without a heartbeat, the church would inevitably die. So last week I talked about the mission of the church and how the mission of the church is to declare the good news of the gospel to a lost world and to invite people to follow Jesus and walk in his way. And today we're going to talk about how the life of service is essential to what it means to be a Christ follower. And it's a major part of the heartbeat of the body of Christ. That God's people are serving one another is essential to the life of the church. We are to spend ourselves in the work of serving God and serving others. And if we fail in that task, then really eventually the church withers and dies. So take a look at me here and with me here at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, just verse 15. This is the Apostle Paul writing to this church that he loved in Corinth. And he says, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? Sorry, that hits close to home for me. Paul says, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. And if I love you more, am I to be loved less? And in this one little verse, Paul is just laying out what's at the core of his heart for these people that are precious to him at the church in Corinth. And Paul's speaking about his willingness to give his life in service to these people, that they would, through that action, draw near to Christ and be like him and know him and be blessed through the time and effort and energy that Paul puts into spending himself and being spent. And he says that he would gladly do this. This is not a burden for him, it's a joy. 
he will gladly spend himself investing his one precious life for their good that they might know Christ more. The word that's translated spent here in the ESV, if you kind of look at the Greek, it says that it is to exhaust, to spend completely, not just a portion, but everything. And so Paul gave his whole heart to the work of serving the people of God, and he did it with joy. And as Christians, this is an example for us to follow that we see in the life of Paul. Now, you might be tempted to kind of try and wiggle out from under that and say, well, hey, this is Paul. And Paul was uniquely called as an apostle. He had a unique mandate on his life to spend himself like this. But that's not applicable to all of us as Christians. But I want you to recognize that Paul is only following his master, Jesus, who also gladly spent himself to the full for the sake of those that he would call his beloved, for us as believers. And Jesus told us that anyone who would come after him must take up their cross in order to follow in his footsteps. That we must be willing to live the same kind of life that he lived in order to call ourselves one of his followers. And so the point is spending ourselves and being spent for the sake of God's people, serving one another in love, this is one of the essential things at the core of the heartbeat that keeps the church thumping on, if you will. And if you remove the servants from the church, you really have nothing left. You have kind of a shell, but it's not functional. Now, I think tragically, because we live in this consumer culture, Maybe you've heard that term, we're consumers. Because we live in a culture where we just want to acquire things and consume things and have access to things, a lot of times uh, self-centeredness is really at the core of what it means for us to be sort of American citizens, consumers, etc. And so tragically, that infects the church. Um, Don't kid yourself. Many people who show up to churches walk through the door and they are asking themselves the questions, the question, not how can I spend myself and be spent here for the sake of God's people, but instead they ask themselves the question that's kind of tragic, what's in it for me? If I come here, if, if I bless you with my presence here, what do I get out of it? What's in it for me? What programs are best for me? What sermons are best for me? What people am I going to meet here that are going to meet my needs? And how do I get sort of the most value out of this experience? Value is a word that we hear a lot in our secular consumeristic culture. Or maybe worst of all, they're thinking in their hearts, how can I extract from this the most output with the least amount of input? How do I get the most out of it without really putting in too much? And so they hope and expect to receive a lot and give very little. And understand, I'm not talking about money. When Paul uses the word spend and be spent here, he's not talking about money. He's talking about the investment of his heart, the investment of his life in this work of blessing those who are the children of God. 
It's a life of serving and contributing. And so instead of the question, what's in it for me, we should be asking, if God has brought me to this place, and this is the church that he wants me to call home, how does he intend to use me while I'm here? What does he want me to contribute for the good of others in this place? How does God want me to spend myself and humble myself and allow me, myself to be used, to lay down my life for the good of these people? How has God made me uniquely in such a way? How has God gifted me in such a way that he wants me to bring something to add to this community, this body of believers? How can I give myself to be a blessing to others? And we need to understand that whatever God has given to each of us, he has given it to us as stewards. In fact, we're going to look at a verse in 1 Peter that literally uses that word. We are stewards of the things that God has given to us. They're only entrusted to us that we might invest them in such a way as to produce a God-glorifying return in order that we might invest what has been entrusted to us into the lives of others in order to bless them and to love them and to press them on towards Christ-likeness. So flip with me to 1 Corinthians 12, and let's look in more detail about what this looks like. And I'm going to read a long chunk of this. Starting in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Paul writes, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and as many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, 
The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So in this passage, Paul's talking about how the church should function. And he uses this illustration of the body, which I think all of us can sort of relate to because we all have bodies. The physical body is made up of different parts. And when they all are functioning properly, they all work together to create something really beautiful. Something powerful, something dynamically functional. The body is an incredible thing. Earlier this morning, I was wearing a, a wrist brace because my wrist has been hurting me. And um, you don't even realize how precious it is to have a wrist until it doesn't work the way it's supposed to work, right? God has given us these complex bodies. And here Paul is saying, friends, this is just an illustration of what he intends for the church, In the same way as our physical bodies, the body of Christ is one body, but it's made up of many parts that each contribute something to the whole so that it functions, the body of Christ, to give glory to Jesus as he is the head of our body. And if we were to keep reading into chapter 13, you probably are familiar with 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love chapter. I think it's one of the most beautiful passages in all of the Western canon of literature. Love is patient and kind. And so Paul connects that to the operation of the body. It's the love of God flowing through us that motivates us to spend ourselves and be spent for the good of our brothers and sisters in Christ. The body functions well together because love is the thing that flows through it. So I just want to point out a few things about Paul's teaching here regarding the body. First, in verse 7, I want you to see that Paul tells us that God gives each person who is a believer a portion of his Holy Spirit. And God gives the Holy Spirit for the common good to accomplish a variety of activities among God's people. So Paul writes, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, For the common good. This lets us understand that one of the major reasons that God gives the Spirit to us is so that the Spirit can move through us to bless other people. It's not just for us. It's for others. God does not give us these spiritual gifts so that we might personally be enriched, but so that we might spend ourselves enriching the lives of others. In other, reason, in other words, the reason, one of the reasons why you had been brought into the family of God, into the body of Christ, and into this church in particular, is so that God can use you as you give yourself, spend yourself for others. That the rest of us in this room might be enriched and blessed because of the way you spend yourself for our benefit. That's pretty astounding. 
Every person who has the Spirit has some kind of spiritual gift that God has given them, and God has given that gift so that you might bless other people. So I think it's worth asking the question, do you know what those gifts are? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? How can you possibly be fulfilling God's intention for you to work for the common good if you don't know what your gifts are? Do you know how you should be using those gifts for the common good? And maybe most, of, most important of all is if you know that, you, if you know the gifts and you know how you should be using them, are you using them? Because that's part of the reason why you belong to our fellowship. God has empowered you to serve the church in some unique way. And so are you spending yourself and being spent in that work? You know, thinking about the body, the only part in the human body that doesn't seem to have much purpose is the appendix. And you kind of know how that goes, right? You know what happens to the appendix. The only time the appendix seems to matter is when it gets inflamed and it begins to steal resources from the rest of the body and it has to be cut out before you die. There is no appendix in the body of Christ. Don't be the appendix. So scripture talks about a number of different God-given spiritual gifts. Things like wisdom, things like helping, leadership, teaching, serving, mercy, hospitality, prayer, generosity, encouragement. There's more. A good place to go for a little bit more of this if you want later is Romans chapter 12. But all these things come together in a really beautiful, dynamic, unique way to make the body of Christ function in a way that brings glory to Jesus. And because God has given these gifts, then we come across other verses like 1 Peter 4.10, which says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So, for example, I think Jay and Tiana have a gift of hospitality. And so they've opened up their home to bring children into their home, that they might care for them and love them like their own children. And Sarah Duke, I think she has a gift of helps. And so she often makes herself available even to support families like Jay and Tiana to say, if you guys need something, reach out to me. I would love to serve you. Her husband, Brian Duke, has a gift of leadership. And so he's at the table in the back of the room right now leading a crew of folks that help operate our audio-visual tech on Sunday morning. We couldn't do it without them. John Wilberger, who you saw up here earlier, one of our elders, has gifts of leadership and administration. And so as an elder, he comes alongside of me and helps me make sure that the church is operating in a functional, efficient way that brings honor to Jesus. Catherine Ibarra also has a gift of administration. And so she has done a great job tweaking our emails and rolling out the church app and making sure that we communicate well to you about stuff that's going on at our church. Gabe has a gift of evangelism, and so he's always telling every person that he meets that they need to know Jesus, and he's frequently up here telling you that you need to tell people that they need to know Jesus. Rick Soltes has a gift of knowledge, and so he searches the scriptures with diligence to make sure that we're being faithful to God's word. 
And where he sees that going wrong, he speaks boldly that we need to apply the knowledge of God's word to our lives. Monica has a gift of discipleship, and so she invests herself in a younger generation within our church and even outside of our church because that's God's gift in her life. Tim uh, Imes, who's not here this morning, I think one of his gifts is intercession. And so, I don't know about you, but I, from time to time, get a text from him saying, hey, I'm praying for you. Is there any way in particular that I can pray for you? And I could go around the room and I could point out many of you. I don't have time to touch on all of you, but I could point out many of you who I know God has given you gifts and you're using them for the good of his body. And so the point is this, do you know how God has gifted you? And are you using that gift faithfully for the good of others? Scripture teaches us that to each person God has given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And we need you. Next, if we look at verse 13 here, Paul says, For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. And because we're unified then through the Spirit, if you look down to verse 26, he says, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So because we're one body, the condition of any one member in our body affects all of us. We are truly knit together with one another in that way. One reason why we need to serve each other is because we could say it like this. Our body is only as healthy as any particular member within our body. I mean, think of it a little bit like this. Um, I was thinking about this. If I've got an itch on my back, you know, assuming I can reach it, let's say it's my shoulder, I use my hand to serve my back. And there's a sense in which my whole body benefits from that, right? Because I don't know about you, but once an itch has entered my mind, like I obsess about it. I, can't, I mean, if I can't get it with my hand, I find a doorpost or whatever. But the point is, my hand serves my back to itch my back. And in a way, my hand actually benefits from that. My whole body is better off because my hand was willing to serve my back. Or let's think about it in a much more consequential way. If I end up with cancer in my lungs, that's a diagnosis that is of concern for my whole body. Because I'm one body. If my lungs die, I die. It's not as if my hand can say, well, I'm not a lung, so it doesn't matter to me. And so in much the same way, we must all have concern for one another. Because blessing in the life of one of us is actually a joyful blessing for all of us. And disease or dysfunction present in any one member becomes disease and dysfunction that ultimately ends up harming all of us, potentially. And so, friends, we must be committed to serve one another and serve the church because our individual health as Christians is intimately connected to our body as a whole because we belong to one another and we need one another. 
We have a really hard time seeing this and understanding this because not, in, not only is our culture consumeristic, but it's also very individualistic. We don't understand very well in our American culture what it means to belong to a real community, a real fellowship. And this is an incredible mystery that Scripture teaches. Our spiritual well-being as a church is interconnected. Your spiritual well-being is in part somewhat dependent upon the people sitting around you this morning. I am not the body by myself. And you are not the body by yourself. We are only the body when we are together in fellowship, in community, pursuing Jesus together. We're only the body together. Connected and unified through the shared Holy Spirit that Christ has left us. And under his headship as our Lord and leader. And so it's imperative, therefore, that we labor not only for our own spiritual growth. We must do that. No one can do that for you. But we must also labor for spiritual growth in the body as a whole. We must labor together that the entire body would grow in Christ-likeness. We must spend ourselves and be spent so that the body of Christ might grow towards maturity. Next, in the middle section of our text, I'm not going to reread the verses, but verses 14 through 24, Paul makes the case that we need to consider how we think about each other in the body. We can't have pride as we think about the body. In humility, we need to consider that others in the body are equally essential. Whether you have an honorable role or an upfront role or you have a less honorable role or a behind-the-scenes role, we must consider others equally essential. If we think that we're better than other people or more important than other people, we are never going to get on our knees and serve other people. Isn't it astounding that Jesus took up a serving towel and he got on his knees and he served his disciples because he didn't consider himself better than them. Paul makes it very clear in verse 18 that God has made a choice to arrange the body as he sees fit. And we are to trust him in that. And so we're to make ourselves in some ways codependent on one another. How do you feel about that word? That actually God wants you to be codependent on the people sitting around you. We're not to despise each other. We're not to look down on one another. We're not to think of ourselves better than others. Or maybe most important of all, I think probably this is the greatest danger, we are not to see ourselves as outside of this body. We are not to see ourselves as merely observers. Let me be perfectly clear here. If you attend our church, then we consider you part of our body. I know we have membership, but if you attend our church, we consider you part of our body. And that means that you are accountable to us. That also means that we are accountable to you. You are accountable for us, believe it or not. You may think in your heart that you don't belong to us, but that's not how God sees you. God does not make parts that are not connected to the body. You cannot go to a church but not belong to the body. 
And if you choose to not serve the body because you don't think that you really belong to it, it's not your problem, it's not your body, then what you're really saying is, I don't trust God's plan. I don't think it's a good plan. I don't want to be part of God's plan for his church. Or let me say it another way. If you read these verses very closely, what you find is a community that sincerely, truly, deeply, genuinely cares. The body cares. We care for one another. In particular, each member sees itself as a significant contributor to the whole. And the fact is that if you don't care for the body of Christ, then you don't care for Christ. It's really that simple. If you do not care for the body of Christ, then you do not care for Christ. I mean, there's almost nothing that makes me more righteously angry than someone who claims to love Jesus and then wounds his body. It doesn't work like that. Jesus and his church are so intimately connected that you cannot love him without loving his bride. And so serving the body of Christ is serving Christ himself. When you serve others in this room, you serve Christ. Serving the church is serving Jesus, and failing to serve the church is failing Jesus. Now look closely at verse 24, and I want you to see the part, it's kind of in the middle there, that starts with, but God. Read there with me. It says, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. I love it when the Bible says, but God. I think when that phrase pops up, you should pay close attention because I think it means something wonderful is coming. I think Paul wants us to understand just how beautiful God's vision of the church is. I mean, think about what Jesus sees when he looks at the church. Yeah, it's messed up, but we're his bride. I mean, I remember watching my bride come down the aisle at my wedding. It was a a precious moment. That's how Jesus views the body, the church. His body is precious to him. The believers are his little flock that he cares deeply about. And God gives great honor to the part that lacks honor. That shows that he loves the unworthy. We are all dishonorable by nature. And yet God gives us honor because Christ says, you are my precious, you are my beloved. And God has composed the body of many parts, which means that he's not actually looking for superstars. Again, we live in a culture that says that, you know, it's the cult of personality. We want the rock stars and the superstars. But that's not what God wants. God wants a diverse body. Many parts working together. And God has made a whole, one whole out of many, teaching us that his intentions for us are that we would have concern for others, not focus on our own good, but focus on the good of other people. And in a really healthy community, I want you to understand this, in a really healthy community, 
where the members are fighting for the good of the other members, nobody has to worry about themselves. Think about that. How much more cared for will you be if in a group of 100 people like this, you are fighting for your good, or you know that 100 other people are fighting for your good? Which one is more effective to produce your good? And so in the body of Christ, we are called to care for each other. And everyone then ends up well cared for because everybody's looking out for your needs and you don't have to look out for your needs anymore. And so the point is this, because we are all a part of one body, the body of Christ, and we're individually members of one another, when we gladly spend ourselves to serve the body, we actually end up benefiting even as everyone that we're serving benefits. So in a strange way, think about this too. It's actually in your self-interest because of your connectedness to everybody else in this room through the Holy Spirit, under the headship of Jesus, in the body of Christ, it is actually in your best interest to serve others, to selflessly give yourself for the good of the body. The way God has designed this We actually never benefit when we just take from the body. We never benefit when we step away from the body and detach ourselves. We never benefit when we try to live independently from the body. This is by design meant to be a codependent community. God has designed the whole system so that our best interest is actually found in serving others, giving ourselves to the cause of seeing the church function to the honor of Christ. In the welfare of the church is our own welfare. So in love, we should be able to echo the words of Paul that we will gladly spend ourselves and be spent for the sake of the church community. Knowing that as we use our gifts to see God's people thrive and grow, out of that, we're going to thrive and grow. We do benefit. So as I close, I just want to ask you this. Do you feel like you're being well cared for here? That's supposed to be a joke. That's not the question. I'm not leaving you with that question. And if you think that's the question I'm going to let you walk out of here with, you're totally wrong. The right question is, are you being obedient to God's command? That you would give yourself in love to care for the body, that you would spend yourself and be spent entirely to serve the body of Christ? Are you using the gifts that God has given you to serve his people? In all honesty, John mentioned there's a couple new families here, but to those of us who've been around Maricopa Springs for a while, I want you to know, I, I actually think our church is a pretty special place. I really do. I realize we're a small church community and we meet in a gym that I think is kind of disgusting and you have to walk your kids back to our children's ministry and you know we got problems but still I think Maricopa Springs Family Church is a very special place. I think it's a beautiful community. I think it's marked by sincere love for Jesus and a real commitment to his word. And of course we've got room for growth. We're far from perfect but I think here you see the depth of the Spirit's presence among God's people. I think we have a good body. 
And I'm eager to see how God continues to grow our body over time. But our body is going to be better and stronger and healthier once you understand how God wants to use you for the good of this body. And the truth is, you're never really going to know the joy of what it means to belong to the body of Christ in all that that entails until you've come to understand that your responsibility is to spend yourself for this and to be spent, to build up what's precious to God. So I would just leave you with these questions as you think about spending yourself and being spent serving the body of Christ. What part of the body are you? Do you know? Are you using the gifts that God has given you to serve the body of Christ? And maybe last of all, what more might Jesus be asking you to spend so that you can say that you have spent everything for his sake? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you, you gave everything. You, you spent yourself for this body. And we thank you for all the imagery that, Christ, or that, that Scripture gives us about your love for the body, that, that you're the head of the body and we belong to you and we're all members of one another and members of your body. And we thank you too that the church is described as the bride of Christ, which means that in your eyes, even though because of sin we're, we're marred and we're ugly and we're broken, you see us as beautiful and you love us. And we thank you that we're called your little flock and that you're our good shepherd and you take care of us. And Lord, I pray that our response to these things would be not to see ourselves outside of the body or not to expect others to fulfill our needs in the body, but that we would commit ourselves, giving ourselves to be spent for the good of the body. And Lord, I'm sure that there's people in this room right now who are, are wanting to answer these questions, but they just don't know. They don't know what part of the body they are. They don't know how they're supposed to contribute. Maybe there's other obstacles that are keeping them from that. And I pray that you would, that you would reveal that to them, that you would show them what part they're supposed to be, that you would allow them to understand the way that you've gifted them for the good of others. And God, I pray that you would press them to step into that and to use those gifts for our sake. Lord, remove whatever obstacles might be there, that your people can serve you by serving your church. And I pray, of course, in all of this, Lord, that our motivation would simply be because you've loved us. I pray that we would respond to that love by becoming servants, walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Amen.